This is an Alert USA Threat Journal, Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, January 29, 2022. This week in security news, on six occasions this week, Alert USA subscribers were notified via SMS messages to their mobile devices regarding safety and security matters. First up, on Sunday the 23rd, subscribers were notified that the Department of State had authorized the voluntary departure of U.S. direct hire employees and ordered the departure of eligible family members from the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, Ukraine, due to the continued threat of Russian military action. Additionally, the State Department this week urged U.S. citizens in Ukraine to consider departing now using commercial or other privately available transportation options. Also on Sunday, the State Department issued an updated Level 4 travel advisory for Russia, warning of ongoing tensions along the border with Ukraine, the potential for harassment against U.S. citizens by Russian government security officials, and the arbitrary enforcement of local law. A security alert was also issued this week by the U.S. Embassy in Minsk, Belarus, urging increased awareness and vigilance due to political and military tensions in the region. The alert urges U.S. citizens to avoid public demonstrations and to regularly reevaluate possible departure plans in the event of an emergency. Also this week, the Defense Department announced that 8,500 U.S. troops were placed on heightened alert for possible deployment to Europe. Here is DOD Press Secretary John Kirby providing an overview. As you know, uh, we talked about the Secretary did place a range of units in the United States on a heightened preparedness to deploy. Uh, I can say that today that these units include elements of the 82nd Airborne Division based at Fort Bragg, which regularly, I think you all know, maintains high readiness, as well as elements of the 18th Airborne Corps also based at Fort Bragg and some elements from at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Additionally, from Fort Campbell, elements of the 101st Airborne Division and from Fort Carson, Colorado, elements of the 4th Infantry D- Division have also been placed on increased readiness. Now, we were not going to, and we don't intend, uh, to provide an exhaustive list of every unit that's being placed on prepare to deploy orders. But I can say that other units that will now have an increased readiness posture include elements from Fort Carson, as I said, uh, Davis-Montham Air Force Base, Arizona, Fort Hood, Texas, Joint Base Lewis-McChord, Washington, Fort Polk, Louisiana, Robbins Air Force Base, Georgia, Fort Stort, Georgia, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio, and select additional locations uh, in the United States. Um, these units, uh, all told, I- include medical support, aviation support, logistics support, uh, and of course, combat formations. I want to just underscore one other note, and that is, as I said many times earlier this week, these forces are on a heightened preparedness to deploy. They have not been activated. On Friday, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley delivered a sobering briefing to reporters on the military buildup in Eastern Europe and the current U.S. role in the region. Of particular note for this podcast are the opening remarks of General Mark Milley, who provides a comprehensive overview of the theater and the assemblage of forces. Here's General Milley. Thanks, Secretary, and good afternoon to everyone, and and appreciate uh, having an opportunity to address all of you. Uh, Ukraine has the right to be independent, and they have been an independent country since 1991. Russia signed the Budapest Memorandum in 1994 with the United States and Great Britain that guaranteed the territorial integrity and sovereignty of Ukraine. It's the policy of the United States government to continue to support an independent Ukraine and their goals, and we are continuing our effort to enhance their ability to protect themselves. We strongly encourage Russia 
to stand down and to pursue a resolution through diplomacy. Armed force should always be the last resort. Success here is through dialogue. The Russian Federation has amassed upwards at this time of over 100,000 ground forces, air forces, naval forces, special forces, cyber, electronic warfare, command and control, logistics, engineers, and other capabilities along the Ukraine border. Ukraine is the second largest country in Europe with a population of 44 million. It's divided in the middle by the river Dnipro. Prominent terrain includes flat, open plains, and there are abundance of rivers and lakes, and there's a high water table. And when that high water table freezes, it makes it for optimal conditions for cross-country tracked and wheeled vehicle maneuver. The city of Kiev has a population of nearly three million people. Other major population centers include Kharkiv or Kharkov, Donetsk, Odessa, Dnipro, and Lviv in the west. There are many people and highly dense population centers throughout Ukraine. And if war were to break out on a scale and scope that is possible, the civilian population will suffer immensely. The Ukraine military has about 150,000 active duty service members, with many more in the reserves. They consist of multiple units, sea, air, land, and they are currently disposed in a raid throughout Ukraine with a high density on the eastern section and line of contact in the Donbass region. Ukraine has other units, and they maintain artillery, air defense, airfields, bases, depots, and they have a highly regarded territorial force and people's militia. Their combat capabilities have improved since 2014 when Russia annexed illegally Crimea. But they need additional help to defend themselves, especially from an invasion force the size that Russia is currently massing. If Russia chooses to invade Ukraine, it will not be cost-free in terms of casualties or other significant effects. There is a small contingent of U.S. and NATO advisors and trainers currently in Ukraine. The United States has zero offensive combat weapon systems, nor any permanent forces nor bases in Ukraine. Our role is limited in that we help train, advise, and assist with tactics, techniques, and procedures. We participate in institutional development of the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense. As the Secretary of Defense has noted, we continue to provide military material support to Ukraine, along with many other countries from NATO. And we are ready, capable, and prepared to uphold our obligation under treaty to NATO. As mentioned by the Secretary, an attack against one NATO ally is an attack against all. NATO has significant military capability. NATO has approximately 130-plus brigades of maneuver forces, not including U.S. forces, 93 squadrons of high-end fighters, four carriers, many more surface combatants. The military capability of NATO is very, very significant. In addition to bordering Russia and Belarus and Moldova, Ukraine has a border with four NATO members.
Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, and Romania. The President and the Secretary of Defense have authorized the United States military to increase our readiness in the event we have to reinforce or assist our NATO allies. War is not inevitable, as the Secretary said. The right answer here is a diplomatic solution. Alert USA continues to monitor the situation in Eastern Europe and will immediately notify Alert USA subscribers of any changes in the overall threat picture for American citizens and interests as events warrant. Next up, in public health news, on Monday of this week, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin held a five-hour hearing entitled COVID-19 Second Opinion. During the hearing, Ohio attorney Thomas Renz presented stunning statistical data from three protected Defense Department whistleblowers. The data, acquired from the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database, shows sharp spikes in miscarriages, myocarditis, cancer diagnoses, Bell's palsy, and female infertility since early 2021 when the DOD began mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations for uniformed personnel. Here's a clip of that testimony. All three have have given me this data. I have declarations from all three. This data is under penalty. uh, This is under penalty of perjury. We intend to submit this to the courts. Uh, We have substantial data showing that uh, we saw, for example, uh, miscarriages increased by 300% over the five-year average, almost. Uh, We saw almost 300% increase in cancer over the five-year average. Cancer is not being talked about except for by Dr. Ryan Cole. Thank you, doctor. Uh, We saw, this one's amazing, neurological. So neurological issues which would affect our pilots. Over a thousand percent increase. A thousand. Ten times. That's ten times rate and obviously that... 83,000 per year, I'm sorry, 82,000 per year to 863,000 in one year. Our soldiers are being experimented on, injured, and sometimes possibly killed. Dr. Corey, thank you so much for your stance on the corruption. That's precisely what it is. They know this. And, Senator, uh, when these doctors are attacked, not necessarily the people in this room, I'm not giving names, they call me. I'm the one dealing with the medical boards. I'm the one watching the witch hunts. I'm the one fighting them off, and I'm the one telling them where to go. I'm going to keep doing that. Senator, we also have... Uh, let me give you this last thing, and then I'll shut up and uh, get out of your way. 9-28-2021, Project Salus weekly report. Project Salus is a defense, a defense department initiative where they report and contra- uh, they take all this data that doesn't exist, supposedly, and they give it to the CDC. They're watching these vaccines. On that date, and around that date, I have numerous instances where Fauci and that entire crew were saying, it's a crisis of unvaxxed. It's 99% unvaxxed in the hospital. In Project Salus, in the weekly report, the DOD document says, specifically, 71% of new cases are in the fully vaxxed, and 60% of hospitalizations are in the fully vaxxed. This is corruption at the highest level. We need investigations. The Secretary of Defense needs investigated. The CDC needs to be investigated. Also this week, the Pentagon halted its COVID-19 vaccine mandate for civilian employees after a federal judge blocked the Biden administration's executive order requiring the federal workforce to be inoculated against the virus. Despite this halt, the mandate for uniformed service members remains active. Next up, according to the CDC's COVID data tracker website, in the U.S. alone, more than 536 million doses of the various COVID-19 vaccines have been administered. 
as a regular follow-on, according to the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, as of January 21st, more than 1 million adverse events have been reported following COVID-19 vaccinations. More than 70% of the reports are from the U.S. and associated territories. For accuracy, it is important to remember that reporting on the VAERS system does not automatically indicate proof that the vaccine was responsible for the adverse event. However, given the sheer number of adverse reactions being reported around the world, listeners are strongly encouraged to do some investigation before making such an important personal health decision. You can find links to these and other reports and to the VAERS database, along with an updated list of key adverse events being reported in this week's issue of the Threat Journal email newsletter. In travel security news, for those wondering, there are still a number of international destinations that do not require proof of COVID-19 vaccination for entry. Those nations are Mexico, Dominican Republic, Portugal, Madeira and the Azores, Croatia, Cyprus, Slovenia, Turkey, Ireland, Costa Rica, Egypt, and Dubai. If you are planning travel abroad this year, regardless of the destination, Alert USA strongly recommends checking out the U.S. State Department's travel website as well as that of the CDC for safety, security, and health considerations for your destination, as well as for the latest evolving international travel regulations. We also recommend that you take a few minutes to register your trip with the State Department's Smart Traveler Enrollment Program so you can receive important information from the Embassy about safety conditions in your destination country, as well as to help the U.S. Embassy contact you in an emergency, be it a natural disaster, civil unrest, or a family emergency. Once again, you can find more on each of the stories in this report in the latest issue of the Threat Journal email newsletter. Take a moment and visit ThreatJournal.com to sign up. The publication is free, and a copy of this week's issue will be immediately sent to you via email. If you would like to receive breaking threat and incident alerts on your mobile device, visit AlertsUSA.com. AlertsUSA continues to monitor the overall domestic and international threat environment and will immediately notify service subscribers via SMS messages and email of new alerts, warnings, and advisories, or any other factors which signal a change in the overall threat picture for American citizens as events warrant. This has been an Alert USA Threat Journal Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, January 29th, 2022.